So, hello everyone and welcome to episode three of our podcast, Thelma and Tom Look Left. And I'd like to go straight away and welcome my co-host, Thelma Walker. Hi Tom, how are you doing? Nice to see you, Thelma. Yeah, how are you doing? I'm okay, I'm a little bit nervous, you know me, but oh. we'll be okay. <laughs> you shouldn't be nervous. <laughs> I've, I've got my coffee ready and I'm looking forward to talking to you and to our special, excellent, special guest excellent. too. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, the podcast, what a thing. What have we started here, Thelma? I, I don't know what, you know, it all starts so simply, doesn't it? And you think, oh, I'll well, just send an email just in case Thelma wants to do a podcast. And before you know it, you're, you're up to your neck in Twitter and all sorts going <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, there's loads and, of things. Um, We've got loads of followers this week, haven't we, on Twitter straight away. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. and people sharing and uh, really, really positive comments as well. Um, which, which you know, I, I'm finding I'm I'm really looking forward to 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 these sessions and to meeting our guests and uh, uh, and yeah, there's a lot more to it than than we thought when we started this venture, Tom, isn't there? Um, but uh, oh. but I. I I, I am really enjoying it. Although, although you know, I'm writing a book at the moment, Tom, and, uh, mm-hmm. and I, uh-huh. I'm trying to find time to to actually get down to, to doing some more writing. Um, and people warned me that that have written books and said it doesn't work like that. You know, you, you have to have that kind of creative flow, <laughs> and uh, mm. and I'm, I'm finding that's a bit of a challenge and a lot of self discipline there needed as well. So uh, yeah, but enjoying things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think as the as uh, well, we're discussing our own podcast on our own podcast here, but that's okay. I think uh, as it goes it's along, self indulgence um, now and again, Tom. Nothing yeah, wrong well, with that. <laughs> anyway, there you go. Uh, yeah, really good, uh, and lots of really kind comments and um, lots of encouragement for people. I just want to say also that one of the things we started out with when we started out was uh, we want to make this podcast a safe space for the left and mm. uh, and uh, somewhere where people on the left, guests on the left can come and chat and put their point of view without being savaged by the attack dogs of the mainstream media. And um, uh, uh, so anyway, there you are. Yeah. Um, so two or three things we want to talk about before our guest arrives. And um, uh some of it very serious. Um, yeah, I, I was a bit disappointed to to see um, that we uh, are cutting our foreign aid budget uh, and at the same time uh, increasing our or keeping our arms sales to Saudi Arabia. Oh. Yeah. Um, I, I just wondered. How... Well, I, I just think our government—we we just seem um, to have lost any sense of moral compass or purpose at the moment. When you see these dreadful scenes of, of children in Yemen starving, um, as a direct consequence of, of years of, of bombing raids and uh, war, and. What do our government do? I mean, six point seven billion pounds worth of arms to Saudi to support their war effort in Yemen, and then cutting aid by fifty percent. And you just think, yeah. where is that moral compass when when you see those scenes of children suffering in that way as a consequence of a war that we're enabling? Um, I, it makes me 
well, both angry and sad, Tom. Both angry and sad. Yeah, yeah, and, desperate, and desperate. I cannot believe, especially when the USA uh, are now not arming Saudi, uh, uh, you know, assist yeah, that yeah. support. Um, so we stand alone um, in, in, the, in this terrible immoral behaviour as far as I'm concerned and cuts to international yeah. aid. I just find it's so short-sighted as well, apart from that callous, cruel, you know, kind of lack of, of the same moral purpose. But but it's that um, if countries are economically self-sufficient as well, it has a global benefit, you know? it's It's kind of when we talk about the vaccine justice that, you know, until everybody is vaccinated, then none of us are safe. And it's that idea of until everybody can have a decent quality of life, then then it, it can't be right. And, and, and what we're seeing at the moment with just the hostile environment, the way we treat asylum seekers, our whole foreign policy is, well, just inhumane and... Um, we are, I think, as a country, most people are far better than this. Um, and it yeah. just makes me... I'll just say, um, yeah, I, I totally with you on that, Thelma. Just just a bit of background on that. Our, our um, foreign aid budget was 0.7% of our government spending. It's been reduced to 0.5%. Mm. And... Um, which is about average. 0.5% is about average for first world countries foreign aid budget but we are the world's second largest exporter of arms 16 yeah. percent of the arms trade comes from britain mm. uh U us is the top yeah. uh seller of arms yeah. um so it, it's a. Uh, uh, t i totally agree with you and then you get this kind of awful stuff where you see nigel farage on the beach mm. in dover you know, making rude comments about refugees and, and not ever even considering what are these people running away from? Yeah, exactly. You know, who's caused this chaos? What what kind of foreign policy mm. has caused this chaos mm. that people, really decent, ordinary people, will do all of this desperate stuff mm. just to try and get yeah. some kind of a life? Well, I, I and, and if we can't put those two things together, I, it's, I no. you know, it's desperate. No. Well, well, the irony was that the British government called Farage out for saying he was incorrect in what he, he the claims that that asylum seekers were arriving with COVID. Um, you know, he obviously just made it up. But the irony of of the British government calling Farage out for that and saying he was incorrect. Yeah. Um. But I, yeah. I, you know, I have personal experience of uh, I do some support for asylum seekers locally. Um. Every week and. Uh, um, I know their stories and what they've gone through and it just makes my heart ache actually um, to think that we're treating people in this way and have such a hostile environment and as I say uh, you know, many people in our country are far better than this and I, I see that when I'm volunteering um, but um, yeah it's, it's, it's awful and it needs to change. Yeah it's I, I wonder um, uh... I wonder whether, I mean, this kind of hangover to the Great Britain when we were a world power, mm. and we're clearly not that anymore. Mm. And I wonder whether we're, eventually it's going to filter through to the way we behave, that we're just, a, a, you know, I mean, especially now with, that, with Brexit, we're, we're probably going to be even less of a, mm. 
a great yeah. country, yeah. I, I imagine. Yeah. Uh, who knows? But um, I'm, I, I'm just hopeful that eventually we'll see that we're not the world's policeman or, mm. um, you know, the, the USA's right-hand man. Yeah. Uh, but we'll have to see, won't we? We will. It's that British exceptionalism, isn't it? <laughs> that you know, yeah. that these some people have that that we have a right uh, to act in certain ways, and we have a right to feel superior. Well, we don't. Um, you know, all people are equal as far as I'm concerned, and uh, yeah. and yeah. that that is something I will always uh, hold firm to, and. Uh, and and call out if I see people uh, behaving in this way. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that that was uh, our first venture into foreign policy on this podcast. Uh, uh, not not great um, stuff to talk about, but there you are. Got that done. Uh, we'll go back to one of our favourite uh, topics now that we've covered in both our previous podcasts, and that is the situation in Liverpool, which is oh. still ongoing. Oh. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's laughable, but it's, well, it's, it's all going exactly as you predicted, Thelma. <laughs> it's, it's, it's almost like... A, I mean, it, it isn't funny because it's really serious and it makes me cross, but it's becoming a bit like a soap opera, isn't it? There's like a... a, a, yeah. a, a each, each week... There's a, there's a, another development, and and it just and Labour seems to be coming out of it. I have to say, worse and worse and worse, and 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 now I think we're at a point as we speak where there may be a vote of no confidence from <laughs> from Liverpool in Keir Starmer and and the Labour Party, um, and and we've magicked up two new candidates in in the mayoral yeah. um, uh, candidacy, and you think yeah. well, where. Where have these two people come from, um, uh, and and who has has chosen them, and and how were they selected, and what about um, the three people who were the, as far as I can see, the valid candidates who've just been pushed to one side with no explanation to the people of Liverpool, and I, I, this is not going to end well, Tom. <laughs> It beggars belief, doesn't it, of what's happened? I mean, yeah, that uh, I... they think that the the Labour Party or someone in the Labour Party or some people in the Labour Party think they can do that kind of thing and just carry on as though nothing has happened. I know they've been doing that for decades, mm. actually, mm. but but there are so many more people now that are so much more aware of mm. that kind of stuff, mm. that they're going to get called out for it every time. Yes, they are. And uh, anyway, we'll see which way yeah. that goes. Well, so I'd be quite it, interested it, to see whether Anna Rosary, who was the leading candidate, who would look very likely to win, um, whether she does uh, take out any uh, legal action. Um, or yeah. indeed, people are suggesting she stand as an independent. I don't know. But that that could be the next episode in the soap opera, and uh, um, I, I, yeah. Well, I, I'm fully. I mean, that would be absolutely huge, yeah, wouldn't it? it? Would. If she stood as an independent. I mean, that'd be the battle of the giants, really. Yes, it would. Um, and and you could have a domino effect with that as well. You know. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I, I guess it could go the other way, yeah, but I, I put my money on Liverpool to uh, well, to stand up against the establishment, so really. I. And personally, I think quite rightly, um, because uh, it's just so obvious what's been happening as well, isn't it, really? I, I just, yeah, really, really poor. But let's uh, watch this space and see what happens, eh?
Yeah, indeed. So anyway, we're nearly at a point where we're going to uh, introduce our guest. And so we'll, we'll just uh, wind the first part of the pod- podcast down and uh, we'll see you shortly. Thank you very much. Okay, so uh, really exciting today. I want to introduce our guest, uh, Dawn Butler. And I don't know what your official titles were or are, Dawn, but I'm um, sure. It's uh, your right, Highness, Royal Highness. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you for helping me with that. Paul. You, you, you just uh, need to bob. bob uh, I'm going to say it's Dawn Mom, Butler. Rhymes with, rhymes with ham, ma'am. <laughs> Dawn Butler, an MP on the left of the Labour Party. And I think, I don't know if you're even a member of the Socialist Campaign Group or not, Dawn, but um, anyway, you're, you're thereabouts roughly, aren't you? Um, so, I am a I, member. Yeah, and I know you are, uh, you're, you know uh, Thelma, if you're not, I think you're friends with Thelma too, so yeah. I'll let you yeah. say hello and then... Um, we we can... love Thelma. Hi, Thelma. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dawn, I miss you. I miss Honestly, you. Honestly, I really yeah. do miss you. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I want to, to start by just giving you a big thank you because I said so on at the event, but during the 2019 campaign you came to Cone Valley do you remember that there was a big rally in the civic centre in Slathway and uh, you 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 were so busy and yet you came that evening and as soon as you walked into the hall there was this massive cheer from the people in the hall and uh, your warmth and the way you engaged with with the people in Cone Valley was just wonderful and you gave me a on a personal level, a really big boost. And uh, I just want to say thank you for doing that. Um, we didn't get the outcome, obviously, that we wanted uh, in the election, but but that night really has stayed with me. And the fact that you, you took that time to, to come and support me. So just, just to say thank you for that. Oh, it was an absolute pleasure. And I'm gutted that we didn't get the result because we need you more than ever back in Parliament. So totally gutted. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm, do, I'm still, you know, you've probably noticed that uh, doing this with Tom and uh, my involvement at a local level uh, with with people on the left and uh, hardworking activists, we're, we're still together and we're, you know, you, you still got our support from a, from here in Cone Valley. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, Don, I've been, I've been looking, I didn't know much about your past. Oh, don't, wow. don't look worried. I didn't know much about your past, you know, before I knew you in Parliament, but I was, I was, I was looking at, um, that I I didn't know, oh, well, this is fairly recently, but Vogue had you down in 2020 in the top 25 most influential women. I know. I didn't know about that. I know. How how did, how did you feel when they, they contacted you with that? Do you know what? I couldn't. I couldn't remember. They didn't actually contact me. The first I heard about it was when I saw it in print. And I was like, wow, oh my goodness. And then the thing is, is that um, I kind of, you know, you kind of get, I think it's our working class upbringing as well. You know, we don't take, um, we're so used to criticisms that when somebody's nice or something good happens, we kind of just, you know, nod our head, say thank you and move on, rather than really sort of embrace it and say, Thank you so much. That's wonderful. And it's only sort of this year and sitting down where I'm thinking I really need to just appreciate and say thank you, you know, to things like this, because that was a really lovely surprise. It was wonderful. Mm. Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah. And such a fantastic role modelling for young black 
women uh you know to see you there up in that top 25 i mean it's just such positive role modeling that isn't it and uh yeah, uh, yeah i bet your family were proud weren't they yeah i mean my, my family but my family's like a lot like me you know they're really kind of um easy going so in one hand well, on mm. one hand they're really proud and on the other hand they don't give a shit do you know what i mean they're like when, when you, <laughs> you know when you come around to cook you know let's have a good old family you know cook up it's that kind of thing so yeah <laughs> yeah it's like it's like my family so you know how's mum gonna embarrass us today kind of thing you know <laughs> <laughs> now, now, you, you might you might know that we had uh, Rebecca Long Bailey uh, with us, the lovely Becky, last week, and um, I asked her uh, a question. I'm, I'm going to ask you um, in terms of how's life on the back benches now. You know, having been so much a part of that work with with Jeremy and John on the front bench, how how are you feeling about that now? I mean, in general, um, you know, the back bench uh, being in opposition is just awful. Um, because there's so many things that you want to change, you want to happen, and you, you can't do it when you're in opposition. Um, I think now is is particularly frustrating because, you know, we're facing the worst pandemic that, um, you know, the majority of people in our country will ever live through. And there's still people who are saying that they'd still vote for this government and and vote for Boris. Mm. And you're thinking, really? After mm. everything that's happened, after, you know, the appalling way they have uh, dealt with the pandemic. And for the first two, three months, fair enough, you know, we're all learning, but we're a year in and there are mistakes that are still being made. And a lot of it, I feel, is deliberate because it's it's all about, it's not all about, but some of what this government is doing is using the pandemic as a cloak to hide mm. the erosion of our democracy, to hide mm. the fact that a lot of money has been siphoned off for their mates, to hide the fact that the pandemic has exposed a huge uh, inequality in our society and yet still none of that has been addressed in anything that the government is doing. And I think people should um, be outraged at that. And, they, you know, a lot of people are just not as outraged as I think they should be. Yeah. I, I suppose what Tom and I were talking about before is having these uh, socialist left-wing platforms, um, you know, just like our humble um, podcast, but, but other like socialist TV, etc. Is, is just getting that outrage and that challenge out there to support backbenchers like yourself, because I'm, I'm sure I know you, Dawn, you're not going to give up fighting for that social justice and equality and um, because obviously you were you were minister for equalities for uh, for how many years was that, Dawn? How, how, how long were you minister for? Um, I was, um, I don't know. It's gone so quickly. Couple, I think a, a year, a year. I was shadow minister yeah. for a year, over a year. I yeah. think maybe a, yeah. almost two years. And then I was minister under Gordon Brown's government. Um, so, yeah, I was a minister a for a couple experience. of days. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did 
Can I can I ask you? It might be sensitive, but did, I can't remember. Did you actually quit um, Keir Starmer's front bench, or or did he ask you to leave? I'm trying to be diplomatic here, but <laughs> how did it happen? <laughs> yeah, well, um, he gave me a call, and um, and you know he said that uh, he wanted um, his own shadow cabinet, basically, and I was like, cool, no problem. Um, so. I mean, I wasn't. Thelma, I, I wasn't. I, I was. I, I wanted Keir to do his own thing, um, mm. and to be frank, they wouldn't be able to handle me because <laughs> no. how their how their their response. So you can see from the work that I've been doing on the on the back benches, and um, and I mean, I'm in a way, I'm enjoying my freedom to do what I need to do so it's not even mm. what I want to do it's what I need yeah. to do and what I think needs doing you know exposing the PPE scandal I I was doing that over 12 months ago before it became popular to do so I was doing that and not just me you know working with you mm. know byline tv and mm. byline news you know and mm. you know or you know the good um, the goodwill law project and you know Navara Media and this is why it's important as you say mm. to have these platforms mm. and people say left wing or socialism and all of this stuff as though it's a bad thing that the whole point is is that everybody becomes a socialist in a pandemic right and mm. it's mm. it shows you what we can do if you put your mind to creating yeah. a better society. And it also means that we highlight uh, and expose what is wrong and what is quite frankly corrupt. And I've been doing that. And, um, you know, the and shadow cabinet haven't been. No, uh, and I, I think Becky said- Oh, they have been, they have been now. Bailey. They are now, to yeah. be fair, yeah. but they weren't in the beginning. Yeah. No, uh, Rebecca said the similar thing last week about actually there's something liberating about being on the back benches and being able to really, you know, say what you think in a way. Yeah. Um, Tom, do you want to, to come in? To, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. To um, great to listen to you and meet you in person, Dawn. Uh, I first spotted you on the political scene in uh, 2015. I mean, obviously, you'd been on around a lot long before that. But in 2015, I I happened to catch your interview with Kay Burley. <laughs> uh, and it, I, I just thought at the time, utterly brilliant. And uh, um, uh, funny enough, I looked, I went on YouTube and watched it again the other day. And it's just, it's, it's aged really well. It's brilliant. Uh, I just, I mean, just so you were so charming and so honest and so straightforward and and you you she just withered it was beautiful it was beautiful to watch i mean i um so i just wondered if you um you know was that is that naturally how you uh, are you trained to, to did you get some training in the media or 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 have you had any media training or um what's your what's no, that, what, how did you that's my that's my natural disposition. So that's kind of um, who I who I am. I very I pride myself in and my office will tell you this all the time. I say, um, don't lie and don't reward bad behavior. Uh, 
And so um, they kind of say that's the te- like a, that's a teacher thing to save Velma. It's like yeah, you know, it's like <laughs> I think it yeah, is. Yeah, it's like don't reward treat but, people yeah. as you'd like to be treated. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so um, and so, but I'm very much in favour and believe in learning about yourself. So I like to learn. You know, I don't think you're never too old to learn. So I like to learn who I am, how I react. I I look at most things that I do when I critique my own uh performance uh so I do that a lot and and I learn from what I do um but yeah deep breaths I find is 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 a is a godsend and a savior I mean I've got quite a potty mouth as well and so sometimes (laughs) I'll take a breath before you know I I swear so um so so yeah but yeah and when the funny thing about the K Burley thing is when I came out of that interview and uh, there was a lot of people kind of giving me like a, 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 a little clap who shouldn't have been, uh, who worked, <laughs> who worked there. I thought to myself, did I swear? Cause in my head I had a swear word. And I was wondering, did that, did that make its way from my brain out of my mouth or did I manage to hold it in? And I didn't know until I got to the office and I was like, did I, did I, did I swear? And they were like, no, you didn't swear. So I was like, thank God for that. <laughs> yeah, it was class, class act. So, I, and then, of course, obviously, after two thousand fifteen, the the mainstream media they just ramped it up uh, horrendously over the next sort of four years. Basically, they couldn't handle. Well, the establishment couldn't handle the possibility that socialism might be going to get a grip on power. And it was just horrendous to watch to, to the point where, like, in the months coming up to the 2019 election, I was despairing at the, at the left's total inability to cope with the hostility. Uh, I'm just wondering if, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I can't imagine how we're ever going to get that opportunity again to, to come so close to power. But if we do... Um, how, how have you got any thoughts or ideas about how we are going to con- cope with that monstrous um, weapon that the establishment has? Well, we have to use this time to build platforms, you know, honest platforms where we can have honest discussions, honest debates, where we can um, expose what's really happening um, and bring people with us. I mean, it is important to bring people with us. Um, and, you know, it's it was so frustrating because we did have a huge opportunity and um, let's be honest, there's things we could have done better. We could have handled better. We could have handled the media better. We could have been more professional. Um, we could have, you know, reached out a little bit more. We could have explained some of our policies more. Uh, there's things that we could have done a lot better. We also, and it's also equally true, uh, and even more so, that the pylon uh, was unprecedented. I mean, they always attack Labour leaders. Yeah, that goes without saying. But the pylon, um, the way uh, news was skewed, the way... Uh, hate was built up and generated the way no matter what you said was going to be twisted um, showed very much what was rotten to the core um, of our media and it, it it was 
And people should worry about that. People should worry that the media is skewed in such a way that you can say the sky is blue and somebody will say, no, it's not, it's orange. And then get a load of people to to pile in behind the fact that the, the sky is orange and you're wrong for saying that it's blue. Because, uh, you know, Martin Luther King called it um, soft-mindedness. And, you know, as we're all... Um, encapsulated in our own worlds, you know, everything's done by Zoom. We're getting a lot of stuff not from human interaction. You know, what we're feeding into our psyche kind of is really vital and important. And, you know, I just think the media outlets are failing us on so many different levels and they're getting away with it. And there's there's just not enough challenge. And, you know, one very well-known journalist, I remember saying like, don't you feel stupid? You know, just everything that the government's feeding you, you're just parroting it like it's news. You know, where is the investigative journalism? Where has that gone? Where is digging down to the story and getting the story? Where is that? Where is the balanced argument? Why is it just, I know we're in a 24 hour media cycle, but why is it, let's see how many people we can attack and take down. How is that good for society? How is that good for media? How is that good for our politics? How is it good that you allow Boris Johnson and the government to get away with all that they're getting away with? Because you've allowed that to happen, it means that they've been able to spend £22 billion on a app that doesn't work because they've gone unchallenged. You know, so you are creating a monster, but that monster is having devastating effects because that £22 billion is going to have to be paid back by whom? Not by those people that have made the £22 billion and created an app that's worth a million pounds, because that's how much it costs in Ireland. That's why I'm getting that price comparison to. So, you know, you're creating a monster where we're going to pay for it. You know, the Daily Mail had a headline the other day saying that in 10 years, we've lost X number of police stations. You know, as though those 10 years have no relation to the Conservative government that you helped to put in power and you keep parading as being this amazing government. You can't have a headline like that and not connect it to the fact that those 10 years has been under a Tory government. And and the and the reason why the police station have closed, the reason why we've got 23,000 less staffing in police, the reason why we've got 20,000 less police officers is because the Conservatives have been defunding the police. But instead of, you know, instead of saying that that's the Conservatives that have been defunding the police, you turn around and want to say it's down to Black Lives Matter. They're saying that we want to defund the police. Mm. You know, it's two different things. And plus, even if people are saying that and meant that in that way, they haven't got the power to do that. The Tories have the power to do that and they have done that, but they're not being held to account. It's so important that we, you know, that we have a media that can... That can um, dissect all that really yeah I, i've got to say i was fr- i was really pleased to hear you talk about the um the byline times and uh navarra and all that i for me i'm 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 left thinking well that's our our big hope really that, that we can build up the the left media mm-hmm. to be a voice that people actually realize isn't just a, a you know one or two people on the side just to, you know 
doing a little bit here and there, but yeah. then we've double become down, something really big. Double Down News is another one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have really, really interesting content. You know, you want content that makes you think. You don't want to be spoon-fed rubbish, inaccurate news. You want content that that allows you to critically think through an issue, critically think through a scenario and say, right, okay, yeah, I get it. Yeah, that's what's happening. Yeah. And, I, and the inter- interesting, I personally think that it's a waste of time trying to work with the MSN, really, MSM. Uh, even the, you know, the little footholds that the left had in, in the mainstream media, like The Guardian and The Independent, they were absolutely just totally awful. Uh, and, uh, you, you know, that whole side of thing seems like it's, it's gone now. Uh, and, and we need to get our own shit together, really. But the thing is, Tom, if you leave... Sorry, as I say, if you leave... The, if you, but then if you leave um, completely and ignore the media, then they, they've still got the power and uh, investment and money, and then they'll still get away with it. So they still need to be challenged. Yeah, I was about to just come yeah, in there, John, and say that. that we, yeah, I think it's mm. really positive that we've got these new socialist left-wing platforms... Um, and, and media, um, but but it needs brave people still, like yourself, Dawn, um, to actually put themselves out there and to challenge. Um, as you say, that they, they have the monopoly, uh, and unless we've got those brave individuals to to call it out, uh, which brings me to your own personal experiences on uh, Twitter, for instance, and uh, some of the trolling you've mm. had recently. Uh, an abuse um which i you know i just i just find appalling and and it does often correct me if i'm wrong but it does often seem to be targeted um at female uh black you know uh women and uh high profile women so um could you could you talk to us about you know what's been happening and how you deal with that yeah i mean it's god it's rough in it film i mean you know we yes we put ourselves um in the spotlight to some degree uh doing our job but we don't you know we don't deserve in any way shape or form to get death threats mm. and um and i've been getting you know i get death threats i get you know abuse uh on a daily basis mm. and um I mean, I do always report it to the police as much as we see as well. Like, and there was a time when the police said, uh, I'm not reporting enough abuse. And then I was like, well, how much abuse is enough? How much do I have to report? Is it five a day, 10 a day, 20 a day? And then, you know, we were basically getting the abuse and reporting it. And then I realized that actually that's really damaging to my team's mental health to just be looking at all of this abuse on a constant basis. And so I made the conscious decision that, you know, we're, we're going to report, you know, the really sort of the really bad ones and hope that the, the, the police and parliament are doing their own, and they say they are, screening of my um, platforms mm. so they can uh, weed out all of all, all of these racists mm. a lot of them are racist yeah. um, I'm not scared to call them that mm. um, and they're bullies 
and they're it's another form of closing you down isn't it it's another another way Absolutely. of you know uh, cancelling your voice and um and again 100%. needs bravery for calling it out and i do understand where you you were being protective there of your staff too um because i was mm. only in parliament for two and a half years but you, you do feel a sense of responsibility don't you for for your staff and what they're witnessing and what they're reading um absolutely as part, as part of your team. and i can tell absolutely and i can tell like sometimes i can tell when i've really hit a nerve with something that i've put out um because you know it's like the tories you know send the dogs you know to attack me mm. and you know you've got the likes of toby young who you know he, he's a nasty piece of work and you know, he will put out... So the latest death threat that I had uh, was from somebody responding to something that Toby Young had put out about me. Mm. And every now and again, he'll he'll be like, let's go get her. Mm. You know, you can just see it. It's like, let's mm. go. And all because, you know, I I stopped him from getting that job. Remember, he, he, won, he was... Um, I don't even think it was Boris. I think it was Theresa May at the time. But, you know, probably... Remember, they were going to give him a job in education. Oh, yes. He was going to get... Yeah, the master of the... Yeah. The, the, the king of the uh, free schools, yeah. <laughs> and we were like, really? Have you read the stuff that he's written and put out yeah. there? He doesn't deserve it. So because of that campaign, and in the end, uh, they didn't appoint him. He's hated me ever since, mm -hmm. and he's written about how much he hates me. And every now and again, he tries to shut me down by setting his nasty little racist dogs on me. Yeah, that, that's... How do you cope with that, Dawn? You know, on a personal level, though. I mean, you, you've talked about protecting your staff, but what about your own mental health and yeah. well-being? Um, I'm not going to lie, it's not easy. Mm. Uh, sometimes, I mean, you know, sometimes it's okay. It just depends on my mood and, and my day, you know. Mm. Sometimes I'm, mm. you, know, in, you know, in that fighting mood. And sometimes you know, I have to just switch off and not look at the media and stuff mm. and, you know, spend time with mates. But yeah, it's something that needs to change mm. and the government needs to change it. And, and the government are implicit in all of this. I mean, this is the other thing that, you know, that I don't, mm. I don't, well, I do understand, but you know, the government not being held in account for the fa the hate that they're generating. Yeah. I mean, hate is being generated mm. at the very top mm of our society, you know, at the very mm. top of power, we've got hate that's been generated and they're getting away with that. Yeah. How on earth is that possible? Yeah, I, I think some people think as well, they can say on different platforms and on Twitter, on social media, they can say anything they want because people like yourself, uh, you know, MPs generally are not real. You know, they don't feel it in the same way as ordinary people. And yeah. I think that... That message yeah. needs getting out there that everybody, we're all human beings and we feel things and they don't have a right uh, to give that abuse out, do they? And uh, I ju I'm just filled with admiration exactly. for how you deal with things and have dealt with things and uh, uh, just immense respect for, for you know, how, how you cope with it. But it, I know you, you've said it, it can't be easy. Um, could I just ask you about you, your work with the um, Science and Technology Select Committee, just changing mm. the subject somewhere? Because I'm, I'm interested mm. on a personal level, really, um, having been on the Education Select Committee, of how, how are you feeling about cross-party working um, when, when you're on that committee? Um, 
I mean, I, I love being on the committee, to be honest. I mean, it, it kind of feeds into my techie side as well. Um, and we've, you know, been able to um, question like Matt Hancock and, and, uh, and, you know, Baroness Hardin and all of that stuff. So that's really good um, and, and quite a powerful platform enable, to, to enable sort of me to do that. I, I mean, so cross-party working, it's okay. I mean, it's good. I mean, it's fine. Uh, I think in the beginning, uh, you know, if I was going in heavy, I would get stopped and interrupted mm. and I wouldn't I wouldn't be given time to to ask my questions and I'd be I'd be rushed and, uh, you know, and and I'm like, you know, this isn't on, you know, I, I need to be given, you know, some some I found that, you know, some people had time to build a, uh, the mood music to their question and all that, you know, and, and I'm getting like five minutes. And so I, I can you know, empathise with got that, my question. completely. Yeah. I, I had a bit it's of that. It's crazy, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's crazy. You're like, hang on a minute. You know, I've, I've got my questions that I want to ask. And, you know, and some of the men as well, you know, they, they think they're really clever, you know, like they, you know. They think they've really asked a good question. And you're like, oh, wasn't that great? <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, but I do I do like it, and and I think there are huge benefits in working cross party sometimes. Um, and if you can build alliances, we can get more stuff done. You know, I'm very much a person that wants to get shit done. Mm. You know, um, and if I can get stuff done. Uh, and it means working cross party to get it done, then cool, because I know what what I'm doing is going to benefit uh, the people that I care about and the people that need help and need lifting up in society. Mm. And, you know, that's that's a necessity. So um, I think those yeah, accountability I, hearings yeah. are really good, aren't they? When you can get the ministers in front of you and, and ask those mm. those serious, important questions. Um, my only frustration, I don't know whether you feel the same, is when the reports are out and the recommendations come from select committees. I'm not entirely sure that those recommendations uh, are picked up on as they should be by the government. I don't know what you feel about that. I mean, at least the message has got out because the meetings are public. But um, I, I felt a little bit frustrated on the Education Select Committee when we'd got an inquiry and recommendations were made in a report um that there was some slippage there in that the government uh didn't always pick up on the recommendations i don't know whether you feel the same I... yeah i mean that's a good point i i think i think actually we should probably pursue that more that's actually quite a good point to pursue more in terms of you know the select committees are an important structure within parliament and you know those reports are um, are, are born out of a lot of hard work and the government should be compelled to take those recommendations on board. I think we should hold them to account on that, actually. It's a good point. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, like we, we've we done a report on um, DARPA, which is, it's now called something else, Diarrhea or something, but um, it's um, Dominic Cummings' brainchild. <laughs> and... Uh, and um, and I'm just thinking the government's not going to take any of these recommendations mm -hmm. at all from this report. Uh, they're going to spend £800 million in the first phase of this. And, you know, I'm, I'm, 
I'm I'm still skeptical that uh, that it's going to be put to good use. I mean, I'm not saying that I can't see a I can't see a use for uh, for us to have an organisation that looks forward thinking in terms of technology, but to trust the government in you know distributing eight hundred million pounds without any oversight. They haven't proved themselves during COVID that they're able to do that. No. So why should we trust them again? So I've got some concerns about that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but I don't think they'll take any of those points seriously. No, no. But thank you for your work you're doing on it because it does get that message out there, doesn't it? Um, and and I do agree with you on cross-party working as well because it's almost like for the greater good, isn't it? And to move the agenda forward. Um, yeah, and let's be honest. There's a there's maybe one or two Tories that are easier to work with than one or two Labour MPs. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so Dawn, um, I know you've you've given us a lot of time this uh, this morning, but um, ju just to ask you, I'm, I'm involved in, with the group um, Kirkley Stand Up to Racism, and um, we, as a former teacher, we're looking at the decolonising the curriculum and um, and structural racism and uh, the, the diversity of the workforce um, and within the police force as well. Uh, we, we're having discussions about that and uh, recruitment and retention uh, and a diverse workforce. What what would you say in terms of, you know, young a young black man, woman today about the future and the current climate we've got and... Well, I really want to ensure that we move the dial on racism and discrimination. And it means that we have to be quite almost brutal in our language in terms of being honest. You know, we try to soften the language. We try to soften how we go about things and things, you know, the change is really, really slow. And right now we've got a government and like a minister for... Uh, equalities, uh, Kemi Badenoch, who is so damaging um, to equality, you know, so damaging to process, uh, and so so damaging to progress, um, that we've got to work really hard because this government is currently embarking on a cultural war. So they want to pit you know, working class black people against working class white people instead of dismantling the structures that discriminate against both. So so their concern is let's get these people fighting at the bottom. And you, we know that's what it's always been like, right? The working class, you know, we fight at the bottom, you know, for the scraps while those at the very top are just, you know, lapping it all up. And so we've got to get smarter about what we do and how we do it. We've got to call out privilege. We've got to ensure that, you know, where racism shows its ugly head, that we talk about it, no matter how much, you know, they turn around and try and shut us down, because that's what they do. You know, they try and shut me down every time I say, oh, but, you know, that is a, a, a racist statement or whatever. And, you know, people keep saying things, why do you keep bringing race into it? Or it's like, you're lucky, you can choose to turn away from it. Do you know what I mean? You can choose not to discuss it. You know, 
I'm a black woman. That's my everyday lived experience. So I can, I can probably, if I wanted to try and ignore it, I could do a Kemi if I wanted to, uh, and, you know, try and ignore it or pretend it doesn't exist. But that might get me through the day. It might even get me through the month. It might get me through the year. It might get me through my whole life if I want to. But that means that you've not left anything from those people coming and following in our footsteps. We've left nothing from those for those coming behind us. We've left nothing for the young, uh, you know, black African Caribbean kids coming up and coming through. We've left nothing for them. And, you know, and if people want to go through their life just thinking about themselves, then that's, you know, that's their prerogative to do so. Um, but that's not why I got into politics. You know, I got into politics to make a change. And I'm determined that um, I will make that change and dismantle those um, structural barriers that exist and exist for, you know, black people, exist for women, exist for disabled people, exist for, you know, LGBTQI plus community, exist for um, older people, you know, I, I exist for de deaf people, you know, I will use my platform and, you know, my privilege. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm always arguing for other people's rights and that gives me strength to do that. You know, yeah, I can use technology, but I argue that we are disenfranchising a whole generation of people through this digital divide. You know, everything that happens, you've got to do it online. You know, whether you want to, you know, book a parking space, you know, and I'm like, how about the older people that, you know, haven't got, uh, haven't got an, uh, uh, you know, an Android phone or an iPhone or a phone that connects to an internet. You know, they've just got a phone for emergency. Why should we exclude them from what the way society is going? And so I think it's important that we consider other people. And, you know, that's what I'm here for. But, you know, racism is is real. Um, it hasn't it hasn't uh, departed. Um, yes, it's changed. And and yes, in some areas it's got a little better, but it's still here. And the whole what we should be aiming for is to eradicate it. So we've got a long way to go. Absolutely, but we, I don't think we could have a better voice in Parliament than Aww. you, John, for, for fighting Love that you. fight. We Brilliant, really couldn't. Brilliant. Love you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, thank you so much for coming on our podcast, Dawn. It's been really good and uh, yeah, absolutely yeah. inspirational. Uh, really hope you come back sometime. Wonderful. Thank you so love much. Love you guys. <laughs> Take care. Yeah, love you too. Thank you so you much. Too. Take you care. Too. Okay, well, Thelma, that was something, wasn't it? I, I mean, oh. meeting these, like I said last week with Becky, meeting these people actual face-to-face, -face, it's, it's so very different than uh, seeing them yeah. on the telly. I, I was just, um, what Dawn had to say was just so powerful on, on so many subjects. And yeah. uh, she is just such a brave individual, um, and and a very experienced politician. Um, I mean, I know she's still got a very strong voice on the select committee and on the back benches, but sorely missed, I think, on the front bench. Really sorely missed. Um, but yeah, it was great, great to have her on and uh, great to listen to what she has to say. And uh, yeah, it's hard to imagine how the Labour Party is ever going to accommodate these people. That I mean, uh, you know. 
you can see how powerful Dawn is and how what a good person and and so much giving and so much love coming through her and oh, uh, the passion about you know equality and her as I say her experience as well and her lived experience um and the contribution that she could be making at the moment but but for me it's it's, it's people like Dawn with that passion and conviction that I'm not feeling it from the Labour front bench at the moment. I wonder That's why the not. Passion Tom, that I was there why. and spirit <laughs> that was there when I was in Parliament. And uh, yeah, it's uh, anyway, it's all to fight for. Yeah, excellent, future. excellent. So anyway, we're coming near the end of the podcast. I just want to do a small warning to the listeners. Um, I should have done it at the beginning, but I I was a little bit uh, caught up with other things. Uh, I I just want to warn you that you you've been listening to a podcast put out by two people that have been uh, described as being part of the hard left, and um, you know uh, just so that you're not overly worried, I'll just explain the kind of things that me personally that I'm interested in as being part of the hard left. I'd like to see everybody have a nice home to live in and I'd like to see nobody going hungry and those are the kind of policies that you really should be worried about coming from the hard left but I don't know if you've got any policies like that you'd like to add Thelma. Um, Yeah well as a hard left uh, person um, I'd like to see a good school for every child in every community and I'd like to see an end of food banks and a right to food for everybody. So if I'm hard left, I stand accused and I should continue to fight for social justice. There, brilliant. Thank you, Thelma. Okay, and that's the end of our podcast. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, uh, please remember to like, share and subscribe. Above all, subscribe, because that is what brings us more listeners. And um, for this podcast to really work, we need listeners. And, um, yeah, so thank you to my co-host, Thelma, and I thoroughly enjoyed your company again. Thank you to our guest, Dawn. Uh, absolutely brilliant. Well, thank you, Tom. I think it's been a great episode. I hope people enjoy it. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to us. Hope you'll join us next time. Keep well and solidarity. <laughs>